1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello
0: and welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA. That's Musical Theater College Editions. And today we have got a gorgeous beachside show lined up for you. Nick Hollenby from the Institute of the Arts Barcelona is on the pod today. Um, We've had Nick participate in our private MTCA walk-in auditions, and he just could not be a nicer guy, including multiple times inviting us out there to come visit, which I'm just going to say, if you see a future months-long gap in podcasts because I'm lying on a beach somewhere, you know who to blame. Um, Nick and I get into today the specifics of IAB and the challenges of an international program, um, and at the end we get into some specifics of his own research, including on transitioning voices in global musical theater, and that's something I'm going to try to do more of on future episodes. Which is alongside getting to know the programs, I'm going to try to continue delving into interesting topics that are specific to these professors when they come up. So that's something I've certainly been trying to do already, but I'm just going to keep keep massaging that a little bit further. Um, so of course I'm going to still try to have an open forum for each of the schools so you can hear what each school is like in a pretty parallel uh, manner. Um, But hopefully we can also keep having interesting discussions that illuminate more of the map of this process. Speaking of all over the map, where... Were all of your Thanksgivings, were they lovely? We sure had a great one. We were in Chicago, just so close to Megan. I should have reached out to her, but just the in-laws, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I loved hanging out with her cousins. Um, I got to enjoy some rest and some time away from the computer, um, as well as, I'm going to say, some blessedly low-stress travel, which feels like it's in short supply these days. It's important to be grateful for the things that don't happen, too. Like, we didn't have a travel disaster. It's always hard to remember that, like when you miss a subway Car, you're like God, so unlucky. You don't think about all the lucky times you just caught the the subway car. Speaking of lucky, there is still just a little bit of time um, for you to sign up for our junior kickoff event um, which is coming up uh, this weekend. Unlike that uh, workshop webinar where many of you attended, which was so nice, um, you got to meet me and discuss the process. This will be actual artistic classes in each of these fields. So there'll be an acting class, a singing class, a dancing class, and then an additional informational meeting with me and our other director, Leo. Um, This takes place both online and in person in New York City. Um, This event, unlike that workshop, which is really a chance to meet us, this event is intended for our MTCA students, so many of our MTCA students will be there but also open to the public if you want to use it as a chance to get a, get to know us that is totally fine there will be a link with details in the show notes of this very episode that you're listening to all right well let's kick off this interview with the charming nick Hollenby from iab Well, we are so honored to have Nick Hollenby of the Institute of the Arts Barcelona on the pod today. Uh, Nick has a Bachelor of Music from Queensland Conservatorium, Griffith University, that's in Australia, and a Master's of Music Study in Vocal Pedagogy from that same Queensland Conservatorium. He was the head of the program at the National Academy of Singing and Dramatic Arts in New Zealand. Um, As a researcher, he's studying some really cool stuff we may talk about today of the evolution of contemporary commercial music. He's talking about transgender vocal development vocal rehabilitation very interesting stuff um and he is now the head of the program here at uh the institute of the arts barcelona which is in Sitges, barcelona spain they offer class sizes of about 45 people they offer bachelor of arts with honors a ba ons in musical theater and acting in dance and in commercial dance nick welcome on the pod how are you feeling today
2: Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And thank you for that introduction.
0: Of course. For those who are just listening, um, you're missing a true visual. Um you may have to this may be when you have to look at YouTube because Nick not only is giving us beauty with the pocket square, he's got a gorgeous background. The the presentation is top notch. The plating we're really <laughs> appreciating. From Nick. But Nick, if you just give us a little catch up. So I gave you a, a short bio there, of course, on, on you, but is there any other like tidbits or fun facts or other helpful info from our listeners just to kind of know about your own background and what your journey was to IAB? For sure, yeah.
2: Um, so as, as you mentioned, I, I was born and I trained in Australia um, in both jazz and musical theater. Um, and I spent a lot of my time, I guess my formative years as a, as a performer and as a musician, as a singer in Australia, studying the art form and certainly. Um, I guess, understanding the narrative from an Australian perspective, Mm -hmm. the musical theatre narrative from an Australian perspective. And at the time when I was there, it was very much heavily influenced by the UK and the US um, musical theatre system, which is fantastic and gave us really strong groundings. From there, I moved to New Zealand. And then, I mean, that's uh, only a four-hour flight away from where I was in Brisbane, but um, a very different again, very different industry in New Zealand, a much smaller industry, but a really exciting industry for new works, new development. And so that gave me a different perspective once again, um, particularly with the engagement with the Pacifica communities, um, the Maori community from New Zealand. So Mm -hmm. um, looking at different perspectives and narratives within musical theatre there. And then here I am in Spain um, and we have... um, where I'm working at the Institute of the Arts, Barcelona, as you mentioned, um, with students from over 50 different nationalities. Um, so we have oh, cool. um, different perspectives, again, for musical theatre from all over the world here. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's been a really interesting journey to this point. Um, certainly not the, the usual trajectory of the uh-huh. traditional process, but um, I guess that international perspective has put me in good stead for um, working with the students here at the IEP.
0: And we're going to dive deep into the program, but before that, I have to derail us a little bit because Mm -hmm. I was helping my partner work on an audition where she had to do a New Zealand accent and I was trying to demonstrate the New Zealand accent and she didn't believe me. She was like, she thought I was like mocking her. I was like, I may be (laughs) doing it badly, but it's very, do you do a good New Zealand? Can we, can we see a little bit?
2: I I would love to say that I do, but my wife is a Kiwi. Uh Um, Uh-huh. And, uh, okay. So I guess the, the big difference for me moving from Australia to New Zealand was the word pen, yeah, uh, P E N, pin, pin. Uh, yeah. and then they say pin. Yes, yeah. can I have a pin, please? Yeah. Um And so pin. that I vowel um, used to throw me all the time. Every time <laughs> someone would say, "Can I do you have a pin?" Um, I would think, What we have that in what the, the American South
0: about? too. We do that pin pen yeah. substitution here." But yeah. but I can only I could only do the voice like in a very high pitch voice. I think that's why she thought I was mocking it because <laughs> I can only do it like this. And she was like, "That's not. It can't be." I was like, "I don't know. It's pinched. I'm trying." To that's I think it's challenging, but
2: you're smashing
0: it. That's great. Thank you. We'll start with compliments. Okay, let's get into your wonderful program. Um, And you mentioned 50 different nationalities. That's incredible. If you were to try to sum up, and of course, there's not one kind of student, but if you were to try to sum up, like, what do you think it means to be an IAB student? What what does it feel like? What are the things that, that you feel like, you know, across the board, we tend to have students
2: who are what? I think for IAB students, particularly if we're focusing on the music theatre program, they are um, looking at the global industry as opposed to working towards, say, a more traditional pathway of wanting to go do national tours, Broadway, Mm -hmm. West End sort of shows. Um, And I certainly think that was how the IAB formed. We had a lot of UK students, but now because of the number of nationalities that we have, um, we're preparing students for the stages around the world. So we're not just looking at one sort of pathway or... um, and platform so I guess a, a global student is the is probably the best way to describe that
0: well and I ask this question often later of like where where do your students come from and where do they end up mm. when you say 50 nationalities is it mostly yeah. European nationalities I mean what does that actually look like in terms of the percentages I know you may not know exactly but the general percentages of what's coming in
2: for sure, yeah. I mean, a lot of our students come from um, the Europe, the European continent. So we have a lot of students from Portugal, particularly musical theatre. Um, musical theatre is really strong in Portugal, and they're, they're producing some amazing performers. But then, of course, we have them from across the UK. Um, we have from Bulgaria, the Middle East, as far reaching as the Philippines, and of course the US and South, South America as well. Um, so it's a, it's a real mix. But I guess, as you say, the, the majority of our students do come from Europe.
0: And does that mean, so are all of your classes taught in English or are there some classes that are dual language classes where you go, we're going to experiment with some of these other languages?
2: Yeah, for sure. So I, the, all the, the entire program, because we're accredited by uh, Liverpool John Moores University, so it's a UK degree, uh-huh. um, everything is taught and assessed in English. Having said that, um, because we're encouraging students to return back to whether it's Brazil or Bulgaria, Croatia, to perform in mm-hmm. their their home countries, um, we do encourage the students to embrace their, their native language um, and to embrace that in their performance. So there are outlets and avenues within their studies here to perform and demonstrate that. Super mm-hmm. cool.
0: Um, well, let's talk through the the three years. And I, I do want to talk yeah. a little bit about that also, that one-year certificate program that, that you mm-hmm. offer. Um, but let's talk about the three years, you know, imagining many of our students, you know, of our MTCA students are looking at doing those, those full programs. Yeah. What would those three years look like in terms of the musical theater training and uh, how much acting I'm taking, singing, dancing, how, and and what that would
2: be structured um, throughout the year. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So I guess the closest I can liken the BA honors musical theater program to is a BFA in this, in the States, um, because it's highly vocational. It's, um, I guess 80% practical, 20% theoretical. Mm -hmm. Um, so across the three years, it's a traditional triple threat training. Um, I guess, uh, in the traditional sense of the training methods that we have. And it's, would be reflective, I guess, of most of the music theater courses across the States and in the UK. Um, so there's the acting singing and dance foundations. Um, but we, we split students in first year between a dance extension and a singing extension. I'll get into that in a second, but acting is at the Extension would be more
0: like a major for the U S audiences. Yeah. I guess it it
2: would be more like, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no difference in the degree in the piece of paper that you get at the end. Uh Um, with as far as majors are concerned. But the, the extension sort of just pushes you in the areas that you're stronger and develops the areas that you still need to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the end of third year, everyone is at a similar level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess acting is at the, at the forefront of everything that we do, of course, um, and it's the foundation of what we have. And students will receive acting um, in, for straight plays and also musical theatre in their first two years. Mm-hmm. And by third year, they're looking at more TV, film, acting as well just to diversify their Mm -hmm. skill set. And then alongside that, um, particularly because of the nature of of what our students want to achieve, even though they're from 50 different nationalities, the big goal is always the Broadway or West End stage. Mm -hmm. And so there is the voice and dialect, which sits underneath that. So they work on accents and voice production um, within those acting modules. Um, Within their singing modules, they receive one-to-one lessons throughout the year, um, they receive repertoire classes where they build their repertoire book and study new composers, different works, um, acting through song classes as well, mm-hmm. um, and enso- massed ensemble singing throughout their singing. Um, if they're on the singing extension, they also receive a vocal styles module delivery, which is, I guess, looking at pop, rock, jazz, R&B, soul music, um, just to give those students in the singing extension a little bit more, um, additional strings to their bow if Mm -hmm. you will um the those on the dance extension will get that but only in their third year whereas Mm -hmm. the the singing extension will study that throughout the degree
0: and as you break that down are you thinking that the singing extension people are the people who are stronger singers that you go you might be a professional singer actor and we want your dance to be strong but we think let's really know this is what's getting you in the room or is it the opposite that it's the weakness where you say hey you really need this help
2: yeah, no, you nailed it the first time. Um, that, that's definitely the ones that come in with uh, strong singing backgrounds, strong singer actors, um, as well as those that might not have had as much dance experience, um, because that, what, whether it was accessible to them or they just had not had that opportunity, um, we can put them on the singing extension pathway and allow them to build their dance and, skills.
0: And then by converse, the dance classes for those students might be a little bit lower level than the, the dance experience. Correct, extension students. Yep. yeah. That right. makes sense. And then what about, so we mentioned those different degrees. You know, you, you can get the BA, on, BA with ONS in musical theater. Mm-hmm. I keep, well, probably not with ONS, is that BA ONS or with honors? is probably how I should be saying it. But, um, uh, sure with honors, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then how does the interaction work with the actors of the dancers in terms of the, the do, do the majors overlap at all? Do they take classes together? Or is it really
2: separate programs? For sure. Yeah, the, there's two extensions work together in a lot of different modules. So um, I, I guess modules are probably similar. Do you call them courses in the States? sure yeah yeah so um the modules are like courses so i guess um that within their music theater repertoire ensemble for instance they will join together and work on production numbers from well-known musicals um for their productions themselves the musical they do two musicals in the second year and two musicals in their third year and mm-hmm. um, they'll all work together they all d- audition for the same for the same shows um For all their music theatre history classes, for their music theory classes, for their um, professional studies classes, which looks at mental health, vocal health, physical health uh, and well-being for their industry prep. It's all combined. So the only times that they really split is between those dancing and singing.
0: Um, So that's closer to what we would maybe call a major in that way of like you're an acting major, a dance major, a musical theater major. You're all in the same school together. But then there's that focus even within that for the BA on musical theater where you have the extension or whatever. It's like the sub major. Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay, that's, I love it. Now we're parsing our language here. Let's talk about so the kind of how you prepare your students for the launch into the business. Mm-hmm. So you know, after that third year, whether I want to go to Broadway, whether I want to go to the West End, you know, what are what are we learning in terms of audition prep or just also business, uh, the business kind of stuff.
2: For sure. So um, our degree has a module that runs right through all three years in the same way that they have the dancing and acting uh, modules. They have a professional studies module. So in first year, you're looking at, as I mentioned before, well-being. Um, So it's looking at mental, physical and vocal well-being to prepare you for not only your studies, but for the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, By second year, that then develops into industry studies. So you start to look at key individuals within the industry Um, Mm industry. For those that are coming from the UK, they'll look at particular theater companies, um, producers, and likewise with those from the States. Um, and then by the time they go into third year, it's preparing them for the grind of auditions. So you'll do weekly mock auditions um, with both guests and internal staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, learn, you'll put together your CVs, get your headshots done. There's a full industry showcase where we invite uh, producers, casting directors, and agents from across Europe. Uh, And we also send the material, of course, to the States for those students that are coming across from the U.S. Um, And so that, that whole module system works towards getting the students industry ready.
0: Totally makes sense. And then what about are they taking any other classes? So am I getting anything else in the, you know, so if I'm doing a lot of acting, singing, dancing, am I doing any English
2: classes or any, you know, normal college kind of stuff? So, because of the the nature of the degree, and I guess in a lot of countries, an honors degree will run for four years, mm-hmm. uh, whereas we've condensed down into three. Um, so, unfortunately, we well, I, I guess not unfortunately, but we have really try to focus on the the key content of what they're going to need once they get into the industry. Having said that, because of the location and for the majority of our students, they do move to Spain. You can study Spanish in mm-hmm. your first in your first year. There are a lot of cultural activities and events that take place here to embrace the wider community both within the wider spain but also within catalonia where we're located Mm -hmm. and so i guess for the students outside of their music theater training um they can take part in those events for our music theater students they can also talk to those on the bachelor's with honors dance programs Mm -hmm. the commercial dance or contemporary dance, as well as the acting programs um, and work with the specialists that come in for those programs so they get different perspectives there
0: and it seems like, so for your school, in terms of like the campus experience, right? It mm. seems like there's no, there's no on-campus housing is what I, I see. So that means you'd have to kind of, fi- like you're sort of living in an apartment or you're figuring it a little, that's a little kind of New York style. Sometimes New York schools, it's like yeah. you're living on the third avenue and you're like, okay, here we go. But so you're figuring <laughs> out your own thing and you're, and you're, I imagine also experiencing some of Barcelona. Can we talk a little bit about what that, what that experience is just in terms of living, if especially for our US students yeah. who are going, what would that even be like?
2: Yeah, I'd, for sure. I'd love to hear some of that. Yeah, so I, we're located about thirty minutes south of Barcelona by train or bus, um, and we're on a beach in a beachside town. So we're the campus is two minutes walk from the beach, mm. um, and it's quite a small community of about thirty thousand people. Quite a large expat community. So for, I guess for those that are contemplating studying abroad, there's uh, English is still spoken throughout the community. We, like I said, we encourage students to develop their their love and understanding of the Spanish and Catalan culture, um, but you can certainly get by. Mm-hmm. throughout the three years with limited uh, Spanish understanding. Um, the campus, as you mentioned, this we have two campuses. Um, the main campus is quite close to a place called Utopia, which is um, a fitting name for uh, accommodation for students mm-hmm. um, where they can stay, and that's between our campus and the beach. So a lot of our students will will stay in Utopia for their first year, but then, as you mentioned, they'll move into an apartment living in Sitges, and there's lots of apartments, and our student services um, team do a really great job of finding housing and apartments for the students when they arrive in such
0: So cool. So, and like, do, do you see, do the students do a lot of like interacting in the broader, you know, Barcelona community? Like, are, are they doing, putting up shows there? Are they doing like, how does that work in terms of um, their integration, especially the, imagining people who speak only English? How does that work in terms of how they're able yeah. to integrate
2: So within the program, a lot of our students will go out and perform In we will run our productions in some of the large theaters in Barcelona and surrounding surrounding towns. Um, We also invite a lot of, because there's a large music theater scene within Spain itself, uh, we invite a lot of creatives to work on the productions here from around Spain. Um, so I guess the students get to immerse themselves in the mm-hmm. Spanish music theatre scene as well. Um, having said that, there's lots of different festivals. I mean, the Spanish, for those that have travelled to Spain or know anything about the Spanish and Catalan communities, they love to celebrate everything. So mm-hmm. every weekend there's a different festival or celebration. On. Um, so we've just had the, the film festival, which is one of the biggest horror film festivals in the world um, that was in Spain and or in Citrus, I should say, and the students were involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a wine festival. There's a the are not involved. To the all. wine festival,
0: right? No, no, actually allowed <laughs> over there. All. You actually could have been. Parents, don't listen to this part. Oh, that's,
2: yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Um, so yeah, I guess the students em- embrace the the culture activities, uh-huh. um, in the wider community, but also within their program, they're also engaging with Barcelona and the wider Spanish uh scene.
0: And then we talked about you know where the students come from. You know, and again, I know you don't know exact percentages, but but where does it tend that students end up? Do do many end up back in the U.K.? Do many, you know, if they're U.S. students, do they often go back to the U.S. and work? You know, or, or do, yeah, I guess do most people go, end up going back to where they came from? Do some of them yeah. stay in Spain? Do How does it work if I were someone? Because I am maybe that student who's saying, I'm interested in the global community. Maybe I'll say even specifically, I'm a U.S. student and I'm interested in maybe staying in Europe. And what that, would what that look like for me mm-hmm. to work there? Like How does that work if it happens at all?
2: Yeah, so I I guess there's a 50-50 split for our students, um, especially those coming from the US or the UK where visa or people like myself from Australia where visas for Europe um, Mm -hmm. can be challenging to access. But that is part of the third-year course. We do talk about visas and how to access those and who who are the right people to speak to. But a lot of our students will fall in love with Europe when they come here. So um, we have a number of US students in our third-year cohort who – at the start, we're planning to go straight back to the US and uh, audition for national tours and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but now are contemplating maybe staying in Spain for a year or two to try their hand at the European um, scene. Um, others will go into cruise ships, uh, cruise ship auditions and do cruise tours. Um, others will do Australasian tours and things, things like that around the world. So I guess as part of their industry week that they have with the showcase, we have lots of casting directors that um, are casting for... For productions all over the globe so um students end up getting a lot of work through that through
0: that platform and, and how does it work i mean in terms of i know like you so you have the student visa now i don't want to get too deep into the legal logistics but just i guess yeah, how, yeah. how realistic is it for a u.s student to then be able to say and then i want to stay for five years in europe and work is that the kind of thing that's achievable you know i know that that People have reported that can be a struggle sometimes, especially in the Mm. UK, to be like, they're a little bit like, get out, go, we want jobs (laughs) for our UK people. Yeah, Um, yeah. yeah, so I'd love to hear about how that works.
2: Yeah, it it is challenging, I guess, because um, the visa laws, I mean, the visa laws are constantly changing. But for our US students or any students that are coming from outside of Europe, their student visa will allow them to stay on or they can extend their student visa afterwards. It's it's certainly not for a five-year period, but within that time, once they extend, if they meet a producer or a Mm -hmm. casting director, particularly in Spain, Spain is developing their um, artist visa laws. Um, And so they're they're developing ways for artists to be able to come and work in Spain because the the industry is booming here. Mm -hmm. So for those that want to stay, um, they can be sponsored and then put onto a visa if Mm -hmm. they're lucky enough to get through them that pathway.
0: And I've seen a lot of that on the reverse end of you know some of our coaches who, you know, from Europe or whatever, who've then tried to do the V and it's doable, it just seems like it's a lot of work. It's not it's not an yeah. easy, like, up oh, just apply and you have it. And you're like Yeah, for sure. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, what about the reverse where with some of our American students who are like, I'm so excited about this. I love the idea of the global community. I love the idea of living in Spain on the beach for three years. I mean, a lot of our MTCA students who've mm-hmm. ended up there, that is a hard lure to pull away from from them. Yeah. But if they are thinking, and I've heard this fear with just any international school to think you know you mentioned we'll have the film showcase and that we're of course the preparation is going to be be good but is there any kind of connections to u.s you know um agents u.s casting directors how how would they then be prepared if i want to then come do broadway how would i be prepared for the kind of the u.s market
2: for sure um we try to because we have such a large number of U.S. students now coming to the IAB, um, one of the productions, one of the musical productions, we try to have an, an, an American creative team um, each year. So this year, for instance, um, we're doing a production of Holiday Inn mm-hmm. with our third years, uh, and the director for that is Andy Jr., who was uh, who's a Broadway performer and director, who was the associate director for the Holiday Inn production on Broadway in 2016. Um, and last year, he also directed On Your Feet, Um, because we're lucky enough for Andy to be now living in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's still constantly working in the U.S. and traveling around the world. So we try to create connections through creatives. Um, But then, of course, we have lots of um, Zoom or Skype calls with uh, industry professionals in Mm -hmm. the States just so the students feel like they've got that connection because, as you say, three years in Europe is great, but if they're wanting to then return to the U.S., it's important that they have that real-time industry connection and feel like they've got their finger on the pulse for when they return.
0: Well, it's amazing also in in, through the pandemic, like the distance between Spain and New York versus, let's say, Chicago and New York became almost identical because that's basically how things were happening and in some ways still happening. The episode that we're releasing this week, um, uh, we talked with a manager who says, you know her his client is now making their broadway debut and he's never met with her he's like i've only ever i saw the showcase online we've only had meetings on zoom and she was in chicago she was was, you know went to northwestern amazing you go like that's the way the world works sometimes now yeah
2: and and there's been a huge shift i think for the industry and certainly within education we've seen at iab um there's been a shift in the students that now are willing to travel overseas Uh and and study i think it's sort of because of the lockdown and COVID and the global pandemic, we all became so close in a sort of digital way mm-hmm. that that idea of traveling and working with others from abroad is a little bit more accessible in some ways. Mm-hmm. I love
0: it. Um, let's talk about cost. So I'd love to hear kind of from a, a, a baseline cost, which and if it's different from uh, American students versus uh, European students, you hear that too, and then also just a little bit about scholarship opportunities and, and realistically kind of what my net all in cost is going to be if I'm going to end up at IAB.
2: For sure. So, um, within, I'll talk about scholarships first and work backwards. So the scholarships, um, we have talent scholarships as part of the IAB offerings, um, and they're sort of given out as part of the audition process. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, because we're aware that a lot of students are traveling from overseas and because Sometimes you can receive loans, but sometimes it depends on how your bank um, mm-hmm. or your the, the loan system works. Um, certainly for our U.S. students, that's something to look into if you're wanting to study overseas mm-hmm. in Spain, just making sure that the money that they have saved is not uh, connected to only being able to study in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have financial aid and financial support for those students that are interested in studying um, abroad um, within the program. As far as the fees are concerned, um, they're sort of, uh, I'm just trying to see if I can work this out into US dollars. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, I'm looking at a a euro here and it means nothing to me. It could be
2: double, triple,
0: 1.5. I'm like, I don't know where we're at, the current state of the dollar. Let me see if I can um,
2: quickly tell you how much it, it's it's almost identical to the euro at the moment, so it's fifteen and a half thousand U.S. dollars.
0: I don't know if that's good news or bad news for the dollar, but it's news of some kind. <laughs> it
2: used to be different somehow. I think
0: that's and that's potentially before scholarships, and then before exactly. And, and exactly. What, what is you know a realistic? I mean, it's already a, a pretty low cost compared to some U.S. institutions. But what is a realistic? You know, if I were to get a talent scholarship, you're really excited about me. It's like would that be three thousand dollars, five thousand dollars? Like what? What would be the thing where you go? Is anyone going to school for you know basically free? Yeah. How, how does that work?
2: so the the talent scholarships will range in percentage discounts so you you'll um, you might receive a 50 percent scholarship off your 50 percent off your fees or it could be up to a 100 percent off the fees um, and so like I said that's as part of the audition process the panel will sit down and discuss um, the talent offering talent scholarship offerings mm-hmm. and then send those out um, so within musical theater we have four um, talent scholarships that we, we give out each year within the, the cohort of 45.
0: Uh, many of our students now, and of course we did this wonderful walk-in with you last year, which was mm-hmm. so great. and a lot, so, so a lot of our students that's were amazing. really excited about this possibility. I'd love to kind of hear, come decision time. you know, what are those factors that you feel like you're hearing from students? M- maybe that makes them decide, oh,'m I'm, I'm not going to go to that's too much of a leap. I was thinking about it, but now I'm, I'm going the other direction. Or what is the thing that makes them go? Yes, I'm making this. This is my final decision. I'm making the jump. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what makes it feel like, not specific to our students, but just in general, What as you're having that, you know, the, the decisions back and forth and they're weighing options and you're trying to woo them over, what does that discussion go like? And what are those big factors that you feel like are either sealing the deal or making them go, ah, this is actually not the right school for
2: me? Yeah, for sure. I think the, the first major point of contention for students is always studying so far away from home. Um, and I guess coming out of COVID, I mean, certainly I'm from Australia. I haven't been able to go home and see my family in nearly three years. Um, and so for students that have gone through the pandemic, who haven't been able to even see their family that live, as you were saying, you know, maybe just a few States away, Mm -hmm. um, that could be a challenging idea to move themselves halfway around the world. Um, I guess the, on the flip side though, Once they're here they are surrounded by a community and a family of people that are in the same boat and so as a result it's a quite a tight-knit community and family at IAB everyone's in the same position the majority of our staff and students are from outside of Spain so we all sort of understand Mm. um, how everyone's feeling there Um, so I guess that's probably the first point the second point is also making sure that they can fund themselves for the the three years and get through those three years of costs but then when it comes to the actual um, training and why they end up choosing, I think for those that want an experience, a traditional music theatre training experience or I use traditional as far as the the triple threat training is concerned, but also to be in a group of people that have different perspectives from all over the world um, in a country that has a completely different culture um, and approach, a way of life than most other countries in the world, Mm -hmm. um, that's a massive, I guess, Learning opportunity, not only for them as individuals at a university, but just for their personal lives to be able to have three years studying in a, a country away from home, learning a completely new culture. Sometimes they walk away with a new language, um, but still having that strong MT training. Um, I think that's sort of a an opportunity. Certainly, if I had the opportunity, if I was around when I was studying, I would have jumped at the opportunity to study here.
0: Well, I am sold. Now I'm excited. Um, we're going to take a little break here. And on the back end of the break, we'll talk a little bit about the audition process for IB.
2: Right. Sounds great.
0: Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. All right, we are back with Nick Hollenby and we're gonna talk about the audition process for IAB. He got us too excited, now we wanna to go to the school, we got to get in first. So I'd love to hear just, what do you think makes a good audition for you artistically? What, what are you really looking for as you're assessing a student?
2: Yeah, great question. Um, and I think this is probably the most common question that I get. And for our students here at the IAB, I, I love to see who they are, their personalities, because as I mentioned before, For the majority of our students, they are in an ensemble for three years um, Mm -hmm. with people from all over the world uh, and they're working together in so many different capacities that I want to make sure that the ensemble works well for the three years and that they can get the best out of each other and challenge each other, um, but also push each other and support each other over the three years. So personality um, and commitment and excitement about studying musical theatre is first and foremost um, at the top of my list. Um, And then I guess through the audition process, seeing what the skill set is like. Um, Would you like me to jump in and talk about the audition process? Yeah, please.
0: And I'd love to especially hear about like, because anytime I hear ensemble, which I I love as a word in terms of what the experience of school will be like. And of course I know that's something that we're looking for, but I'd love to hear you. How do you sniff out ensemble in what is primarily individual auditions, right? How are you finding, hey, this person seems like they'd play well with others when they're not playing with others. So yeah, tell me all about the audition process.
2: Yeah, so our audition process is a two-stage process. Um, we have video submissions first. And so as part of the video submission, very much reflective of the majority of the U.S. schools, um, we ask that students submit two contrasting songs. And now um, a lot of students ask, what should the songs be? There's a suggestion that one is contemporary and one is pre-1965. Mm-hmm. But essentially, as long as they're contrasting in their vocal styles, I'm all here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so two contrasting songs, a monologue um, of 60 seconds from a staged work, so it can be a musical or a play and that's completely fine. And then 60 seconds of dance footage, preferably jazz, but it can be any sort of dance footage. Mm-hmm. And then finally a wildcard video. Um, a lot of students, the wildcard is optional, but I really encourage anyone applying to put in the wildcard video because I guess that's our first take of personality type, mm-hmm. um, even in the slates, you know, to um, to give us a little idea of what they're like as individuals is great because that's the first time we sort of get an idea of how they're going to work within that wider ensemble, as we were saying. Um, from there, they're then invited to a second stage process, and that's a live audition. For those in the US freaking out about having to come to Spain, you don't have to come to Spain for the live auditions. They are done on Zoom, and the, the beauty of the global pandemic showed that we can run really successful live online Zoom mm-hmm. auditions. During that audition process, there's a ballet masterclass, a jazz masterclass, and then an interview process where they will present their songs, their mm-hmm. monologue, and then have a have a chat with the team. Um, I say masterclass because auditions are hard enough to prepare mm-hmm. for auditions and that there's enough pressure around them. So we like to treat it more like a class where they get to learn some Simple run through some techniques, learn a routine, um, get to know the staff, get to know others in the in the audition process before their one to one session, and that's another opportunity for us to see how they engage with both the staff and others in the audition process. Um, If we do have students that fly to Europe for the auditions, though, because they use double it as a holiday, so we do have auditions. Here in Barcelona, two citrus auditions. We also have auditions in London. Um, we're running them in Stockholm and Dublin as well this year, so, and in Portugal and Lisbon. So mm-hmm. there's lots of opportunities if they want to attend the live auditions. Um, and I guess as part of getting an idea for the, or a feel for what they're like as individuals, the interview process is where we sort of um, have a nice chat, get to know what they've done in the past, what their aspirations are like, um, why they want to, consider studying halfway around the world. What, mm-hmm. what what are their hopes and aspirations? Why is Spain a part of that? Or IAB, I should say. Um, and then, yeah, and then we just talk about their love of musical theatre and um, nerd out for a few minutes, I guess. That's a beautiful audition process.
0: Um, I, I've asked this question a couple of times too, because I'm, I'm it's a, a newish... Um, option, I think, for a lot of our our students and and can be a scary one is like taking class as an audition, you know, especially in this case, a Zoom class. So it's not like you Mm -hmm. can even just kind of organically interact with the other students because they're all on little boxes and squares. And (laughs) like, how do you you know, how do you interact well with other, others? What are you looking for maybe without making your presence too? oh gosh, man, Charlie asked 6,000 6, questions. We get it. Charlie wants to be present, you know, but also not sh- shrinking Violet away from their screen. Like how, how do they, what are you looking for in that class environment as people are auditioning?
2: Yeah, at, at the start, we have a an open forum chat so they can, we can answer any questions about the program. Um, so if they've got questions or if they want to ask things about the IB, there's a really great way to just sort of, break the ice. and uh, mm-hmm. we, we have everyone introduce themselves because everyone's stuck in the same Zoom sort of call for a few hours. Um, and then in the master class, the, the, the faculty will often stop the class and speak to individuals and check up on things. So I guess making sure the students stay engaged. Um, and for our US students, sometimes if they're not involved in the US-specific live auditions, um, for some of them, I know last year we were talking to students at 4 a.m. in the morning when they uh-huh. were doing uh, a ballet masterclass. That's absolute dedication. So um, from from there, we already know that they're uh-huh. they're definitely interested and dedicated to be in this
0: industry. Or just insomniacs or something. It could just be or, like, exactly that kind of exactly. Um, but you mentioned some live auditions, but n- uh, no New York, Chicago, LA um, live auditions for Unifieds in the. Not at the moment.
2: Um, that is definitely something on the on the cards on the table. I guess because we've sort of been in this limbo land with the global pandemic yeah. certainly up until the, you know, the last couple of months of whether flights would go ahead or not yeah. um, for this year we're just keeping them within europe but that is definitely on the cards for, for the future
0: you've mentioned the pre-screen so so especially with that extensive callback process what are you looking for in the pre-screen you know how are you viewing that video how many times are you viewing that video i guess i'd love to hear just how you use the those pre-screen videos
2: yeah so um for i mean for me as a Singing is my first love, I would say. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I have danced, but I would never consider myself a... <laughs> I have a danced. Dance,
0: but... It's a very specific... I have danced. Yeah, I have, yeah.
2: Yeah, it, it, I have um, moved away slightly from that. But uh, So from a singing point of view, um, I guess I, you can hear within the first 30 seconds of their 60-second cut that mm-hmm. um, what you're looking for as a, when you're auditioning them, but for the for the monologues, um, really identify seeing that they understand the text and they understand the the wider play that, or the musical that the, the text is from um, uh, within that sixty second cut, which can be challenging. And then within the dance, just uh, performance. I mean, like I said before, we have extensions, so if people don't have sixty seconds of really technically um, proficient dance mm-hmm. then I just want to see 60 seconds of joy and connection to character mm-hmm. in their 60 seconds of dance um because there is a place for everyone to study musical theater um I firmly believe that and to study the performing arts so just uh, I guess that's what we're looking for in the pre-screen that joy and characterization and commitment to what they're doing
0: I love it. And then as you're kind of merging those two factors, this is my favorite question to ask everyone is just, how do you weigh in the sort of intangibles of, are you a good ensemble member? What I want to spend these three years with you? How does that weigh in versus, but boy, this person is an incredible singer or my God, what a good dancer. You know, how are you weighing in the kind of talent versus those intangibles as you're making those final decisions?
2: Yeah. I guess with the, within the pre-screening, um, is, is that what you're referring to? Well,
0: I mean, a little bit In the after you've now seen it. So you've seen the, them do their, their performances multiple times. You know, you've seen the pre screens you've now seen the mm-hmm. live audition, and you're making the decision of what are my first offers going to be. You know, how, how are you factoring in those, those different factors? For
2: sure. So um, in the interview process, um, we have a number of different questions that we ask. And I try to avoid sort of um, scripted questions and sort of let it become a little bit more um, of a natural flowing conversation. That's and a note
0: for me is what you're saying there. Cause I keep asking scripted
2: questions. No, no, <laughs> no, it's a good note. I'll take no, it. I'm no, loving no. the questions. Megan's writing down. She's like, stop asking <sighs> questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so within that sort of, I don't want to say organic, but that organic conversation, it's really interesting to see, um, or hear about the backgrounds of the students and to see what they want. And during that time, you get a pretty, even in that 15 minute conversation, um, you get a pretty clear indication of what they're like as a, as a person, mm-hmm. first and foremost, um, and their character and outside of anything to do with musical theatre. I think it's important, as I said before, if they're studying – here in Spain and they're studying musical theatre, that you get an idea for what they're like outside of musical theatre because musical theatre, yes, is, is what they want to do, but it's not the be-all and end-all for mm. them. They have to be a person first and foremost. Um, and so getting an idea for what they're like there. And so I guess that's in that process gives us a pretty clear understanding of um, how they fit within the ensemble.
0: I love it. And then what about in the general application process? So obviously, you know, in the US, we would say this is a really conservatory style school, right? Meaning most of the stuff is going to be, um, like you said, practical. Um, do, are you requiring essays and letters of recommendation and grades and all those normal things? And, and how much do, do those things then factor in the kind of what we call the academic side of the application? How does that factor in? If you go, I love Charlie artistically. Oh, he's so fun to chat with. Everything. Uh, but what am I looking at now on the paper side?
2: of it? Yeah, so they do have to, achieve um university entrance um in order to attend the IAB and then we do ask for you could call it an expression of interest letter or just a, a little I guess a short essay about essay. themselves uh-huh. um, just a brief overview of what they've done what they're hoping to achieve um, and it's really interesting I think some people are under the assumption that we sort of just quickly sk- skim read those uh-huh. um, but those that take time to really think about what they write in and add something that's engaging or talk about something that similar to the wild card, I guess, with the, the first screening, that take that time to really um, fine tune their, their letter towards the Institute. Uh-huh. Um, they stand out um, and they immediately are people that I want to engage with. So that's just something else that I guess we include within that audition pack.
0: It's something I often say to our students of, you know, when I'm first meeting them of like, so much of this process is asking you to continually articulate yourself in the world, right? Like you Mm -hmm. have to like, think about it as you like, think about what material might be right for me. What do I want to say about myself? And you think about it as you write your essays, you think about it as you do your wild card, you think about it in your interviews, right? That happens again and again. How much are you looking for like unique and or different thing. Like if I wrote about something in my letter of rack. I mean, my, sorry, my letter of rec, if I wrote about something in my essay that was really specific, you know, do I then not talk about it in the interview? Is it okay if I talk about it again? If my wild card is on it, you know, like, are you ever like, Oh God, it seems like all you're, you're repeating that process. Cause it does in some ways feel like they are asked to rearticulate themselves a lot of times of who are sure. you, who are you? And you're sort of saying it again in, in all these different ways.
2: Yeah. I, I'm really encouraged students if they want to, I mean, if something comes up in the wild card that we're really interested in, I'll normally bring it up again in the interview process. And same with the expression of interest letter. If, if there's something that's intriguing, I'll, I'll question it in the interview process. Um, but I also appreciate that for a lot of the students at 18 years of age, they've got 18 years of experience that they can fit into. So um, they don't have to uh, impress us with you know trying to make it sound like they've lived three lives Uh um we understand they're 18 and they've had they've i mean having said that 18 year olds have packed in so much more than i ever did i feel like in my my first 18 years they're amazing so yeah i guess we we can unpack that but they don't have to rewrite the book um Uh to impress us for the auditions
0: I love it. And then in terms of the different disciplines or the different focuses, you know, Mm -hmm. um, whether I'm looking at, I'm I'm a really strong singer, I'm a really strong dancer. How does it work in terms of then your admission when you're talking about scholarships, you're talking about who's going to get in, you know, is is it about the top two scores of my acting and singing is really strong? I can throw away the dance or, or is it, you know, if I'm an amazing dancer, amazing actor, how does that work in terms of, uh, is it one holistic score? Are we super scored? How do you sort of make that decision um, with the different disciplines?
2: So I guess if someone is a really strong triple threat performer across all three areas and they could go into either extension um, normally because the, the singing extension is for those, as we were saying before, that, might need a little bit more development in their dance so we'll tend to put them onto the those that are really strong triple threats into the dance extension Uh, and that's because we have apart from the traditional tap ballet and jazz we have commercial dance and aerial skills so they'll learn Mm -hmm. silks and hoops um, and acro skills as part of that so those that really want to push themselves in dance and develop additional skills while still getting that traditional singing training that's a really easy pathway for them Um, but for those that are sort of on the fence During their induction week or O week, um, we'll do some more streaming just because the online platform is great. But sometimes we just like to check in after the, especially if it's been eight months, Mm -hmm. um, just to see where they're they're at post auditions because our auditions run, you know, they're they're opening at the end of November and they'll run right through until August. Um, So we do a check in at the start of September with them all in the studio. They get to meet the staff. And just make sure that we've put them on the right extension pathway.
0: Um, I'm going to dare to ask you a question about your own personal research. Which <clears throat> now, if you're telling me, "Hey, this is something I've done on a website," blah, 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 we can just move no, on. No, no, that no. But, but I'd love to just hear about the, you know, some of the work that you've been doing in terms of trans vocal learning, and yeah. and also just the, you know, even that idea of like, what is a global you know, what does global musical yeah. theater look like? You know, um, all that stuff. I'm so interested in, in what your own research has been. So as far
2: as the, the singing is concerned, voice development, that's been something I've been really interested in. And um, I guess my first, during my master's, I studied mutational, or the, the scientific term, mutational change within the the changing male voice mm-hmm. um, as, as males go through adolescence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, um, I worked with a number of students that that were transitioning during their training and traditional way of training with, um, you know, female, male voices, even in the way it's split in an ensemble setting. Totally. Really, I guess when I was first starting out, started to grind my gears because these students who are trying to figure out their own pathway couldn't figure out where they fit within the training system. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of made it a, a personal mission of my own to relook at how we approach singing training for voices. And so I, yeah, I, um, I guess w- using the soprano alto tenor base, the traditional SATB um, terminology made it a little bit more accessible and looking at how the voice transitions um, during that period mm-hmm. um, around whether it's Involving medication, or if it's, an, it's, it's a non-medicated transition process, and the impacts on the voice, so students can still feel like they can train during that process, mm-hmm. um, without feeling like they have to take a step back for a few years mm-hmm. until everything starts to settle, and so they can keep working their voice, keep developing their, their not only their their voice, but their their personal voice, the, the, their the expression, the
0: capital V yeah. voice, yeah, yeah. And, and, exactly. and I'm I'm so interested. I mean, are there medical Differences, like if, if you choose to transition later in life, you know, so you're going through basically the mm-hmm. adolescent process because of taking medicine, yeah. is that, does is it affect the voice differently than it would it at 13, 14 or whatever when it might happen otherwise?
2: Yeah, I think um, for those that I've worked with that have transitioned earlier, it's certainly, um, I don't want to say an easier process for the voice um, to develop. But I think that because everyone through adolescence trains and develops their technique, um, as the voice develops, that transition, the earlier it happens, the easier it is, I guess, for, um, new techniques to be applied and to address it earlier on, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to those that transition later, um, it can be a little bit more challenging because there are habits and there are Mm -hmm. muscle memories that need to change. Mm -hmm. Having said that, um, I've worked with people in their late twenties, um, who have, Absolutely smashed it as far as their singing technique is concerned. Uh-huh. Um, really embrace it and it's a challenge. But if they're committed, like any muscle in the body, if you you know, if you want to be a if you go to the gym and just work on your legs all the time and then uh-huh. all of a sudden we start to ask you to work on your arms, it's gonna take a while, but if you've got the commitment it will work. Everything's just a muscle in there. Um, and it's just about how you apply different techniques to develop those muscles.
0: Mm. And then what about musical theater for the global market? What what does that mean in terms of like, yeah, again, I'm so, I'm so interested. I mean, it seems like musical theater, we think of as such a traditionally American art form. We made it, it's our art form and we're (laughs) spreading it out to the world, but you know, it's so interesting to think, I mean, it is now of course lived in enough other countries that it's, developing you know you're saying what is the australian musical theater tradition which i'm like that's so interesting you know um i I have a tiny window into this because my partner was in jagged little pill which then now Mm -hmm. the australian cast was like opening and running while they're like sitting there going "Mm, we want to go you know so i'm (laughs) like oh my god it's so interesting to see how they just do things a little differently it's not radically different but you know but i'd love to hear about that
2: yeah um i guess because of as i was mentioning at the start i grew up watching these amazing american and uk productions come to australia and be cast in australia and they kept exactly the same format um, with little tweaks um, whether it's you know the jokes or things that are more specific to the australian audiences um, but then when i came to iob it completely reshaped my thinking about musical theater um because we'd have students that um as i mentioned before would come from one of our students from bulgaria had listened to Chicago but had never had the opportunity to see a production of Chicago Mm -hmm. and had a very different understanding of what Chicago was about compared to the majority of other students that had seen the production or Mm -hmm. had studied the American um, musical theatre art form. And so that perspective, um, especially in music theatre history classes or um, in contextual studies when you're looking at race and um, diversity within the the musical theatre art form, a lot of the discussions that have happened over the last two years, especially, or three years, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes come as a shock to our students from across Europe because they have been separated from the the traditional music theatre, I guess, think traditional music theater canon they're mm-hmm. not familiar as familiar with it um and so those perspectives are super exciting to discuss mm-hmm. um and really refreshing so i guess i mean they
0: come in without any of those preconceived notions they're
2: like yeah, yeah well, exactly. anyone can play, i just this is a voice all i hear and the thing that's right and and sort of watching them recontextualize their thoughts uh-huh. on things or watching others recontextualize their thoughts on um roles and identity uh-huh. within musical theater mm-hmm. so there's that and then i guess there's also um from certain countries the you know we really try to promote whether it's non-traditional casting or female playwrights or um you know they have to study songs that are not so we have you know female composers we have um from the global composers from the global majority so students have to really take some time to look outside Mm -hmm. um the, the box and for those that are from other countries outside of you know the uk the us australia even the the repertoire that they bring to the table sometimes from their own countries is quite interesting Mm -hmm. whether it's original musical theater from their country and they translate it into english but there's there's so much musical theater happening within and in korea there's a massive music theater Mm -hmm. scene um and it's i think the more we as artists open up to that the the more our industry can improve and grow and change and adapt and i think um I mean, it's certainly going in a, in a great direction, but I think the more yeah. we open to the global perspective, uh, the more exciting it will be.
0: That's where I think you're very smart to say two contrasting songs and then leave that open interpretation as opposed yeah. to one pre-1965 Broadway show, another post-1965 Broadway, because it just opens a can to go, what What do you got? What, what, yeah, what do you think exactly. is, what does your voice do? That's yeah. Very smart. Um, I just, the last question I'll, I'll throw is just about parents. Uh, we have a lot of parent listeners um, and I would love just in terms of your advice to them, if they're sort of listening for their child, maybe their child's a sophomore or junior is just really kind of mm-hmm. starting and looking at all this, you know, as they're going through this process, um, considering especially maybe some international schools, what advice if the parent is freaked out going, oh my God, there's already hundred and some schools on the U S and I got to do more schools. Um, yeah. What would your advice be to, to those parents?
2: yeah i my advice would be encourage your child to or in, embrace your child's decisions because i think for um and support your child's decisions because for us for to commit to three years of study is a massive undertaking and i appreciate that it's a massive undertaking for not only the student but also for the parents and the family um but that's a it's a three-year financial and also situational commitment and if this if child wants to study abroad or if they want to study a specific school if that's where the connection is for them that should come first and foremost even if it's not the the school that you thought or hoped Mm -hmm. uh, or college that you'd hoped um, your child would go to because i think it's really important that the the learner the student feels supported and embraced by the institute Um, it's sort of trying to fit like a square peg in a round hole if you if you don't support that Mm -hmm. that pathway Um, for selling abroad um, the world is so small now and we're so connected because of the digital platforms, um, even, you know, travel post pandemic is back and mm-hmm. you can be you know, in the States within eight hours on the, on the East coast um, from here. So uh, it may seem like a long way, but the cultural benefits mm-hmm. and the experience, the lifelong experience and the, the, the friends that they make, I mean, you, you, the students then have holiday places in, you know, twelve different countries uh-huh. once they graduate. So um, <laughs> that alone is an amazing experience for the students. Yeah. And prior US students, they'll stay for twelve months and do a an OE after their studies and travel around Europe to all the different countries staying in friends' houses. And I think that experience outside of the training is is worth its weight in gold
0: one bonus question i just forgot to ask you from before i mentioned at the top just that one year gap year for you know so if i'm an 18 year old and i wanted to maybe do the one year program mm-hmm. what does that look like
2: yeah so the foundation program is a uh, essentially to prepare students or keep up their training before they enter the ba it's um it runs up until the spring break so it starts in september runs right through till around april mm-hmm. um, for spring break And So it's about 22 weeks in total, and it's completely reflective of the BA. So you'll take singing lessons, group singing, dance in, tap, jazz, ballet, commercial. Um, You'll take acting classes. You'll study contemporary and classic texts. You'll have an audition and application Mm -hmm. module which prepares you for auditions um, for BA programs. Um, And it's highly intensive. It's five days a week. You're sort of in from nine to six each day. Um, And you're working alongside a dance foundation group as well so there's a lot of mixing between the two disciplines between musical theater and traditional contemporary dance.
0: and is that also an audition-based program would i also be auditioning for the, the one-year program
2: yes same audition process exactly the same as the ba um just a different interview process because you'll be interviewed by the program leader for the um, foundation course as i've said myself
0: Cool. Well, for anything else I missed, where should people check out more information? Do we like on Instagram? Do we go to the website? What do you feel like is the, the way to go?
2: Look, I think uh, to see what we're up to on a regular basis, uh, um, Instagram, IA Barcelona, um, at IA Barcelona is um, the, the key place to go. And you can see behind the scenes footage of our. Um, shows of uh, different programs, not just for musical theatre, but for commercial dance, contemporary dance, and acting. And um, You see our foundation work, our master's work. Otherwise, the website for all information regarding fees, audition processes, um, see what the staff profiles are like, you can go to iabarcelona.com, and that will give you all the information that you need. And you can get
0: the direct daily euro to dollar translation as it shifts. You can be doing that exactly. yourself, you know, on the website. <laughs> um nick we so appreciate the time thank you this was really fun
2: thank you so much for having me it's been a blast and um yeah we'll have to get you over to spain sometime soon you better
0: believe it i'm ready to go go. i'm ready to go Amazing. amazing Well, Crikey, I hope you enjoyed that interview. I was a bit punchy there, wasn't I? Maybe it was starting off with the New Zealand accent that really put us in a a weird place. But I found Nick to be so charming and so fun to chat with, as well as I think a really mature and sober voice in the international musical theater community. Um, They're really working to build that program over there, and it's been so exciting to watch the progress they have made. as far as a takeaway for today, I really liked our discussion of strengths versus weaknesses with the extensions, um, but I think we covered that idea pretty extensively in the Point Park episode takeaway. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that, you can go to that episode. Um, and of course, I haven't really done a takeaway on the idea of showing your personality through the wild card we talked about today or through those ensemble classes. I did a bit of touching in on the interview portion. but. I will do something more on that, and I think it'll come up many more times. We'll have many opportunities to do that, though I have a lot to say on that idea. Um, But I thought maybe a practical and maybe more helpful takeaway for this interview um, would be about international schools and all the considerations you want to think about as you consider attending one of them. I really appreciated how Nick pointed out some of the extra hoops you may have to jump through, right, that it's not all positive. And just like every school has its pros and cons, international schools just have additional pros and additional cons, both, right? Um, We talked about how some of the pros, and, and they may be obvious, you know, we talk about the cultural experience can be really unique, of course, right? You know, when you talk about diversity within universities, we often use that to kind of focus on racial diversity primarily in America. But when you go to a place like IAB, you have cultural diversity and language diversity that would be unparalleled at an american school um even that i think is worth noting you'll hear me do kind of pros and cons of all of these even that it's not necessarily an uh, unadulterated good i mean i think basically across the board diversity is a positive thing especially when you're talking about like avoiding orthodoxy for the long-term health of an institution that you want to have diverse thought and basically diversity of all kinds but that said Having students who may not speak English as a first language or who may come from a background where they're not introduced to the basics of the American musical theater canon at a young age, the way many of you are as our listeners, that might mean that the classes progress through learning some of these things a bit slower and maybe a little less rigorously specific as you might get at an American conservatory. Again, for the right student, I think this is a huge plus, right? For a student who wants their cultural artistry um, expanded and and their their way of thinking um, shaped in a a beautiful, you know, nonlinear way, I think this is all for the good. But for a student who really just wants to focus on how they will work in the American musical theater, this building wider in this way, often does mil- mean building less high. That's a little metaphor if you think about like, you know, I'm all, I'm all on blocks right now because I have a toddler, so it's like you know, if you build it wide, it might not be able to be quite as high. Though, of course, to get really high, you have to start with a wide foundation. Now we're getting into some deep metaphors that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. And of course, this need not necessarily be true, right? Just because you're coming at it from a really interesting wide angle doesn't mean you can't get just as far, but I think in the aggregate, it generally will be. Another big pro with its con downside is the cost, right? A lot of European universities like IAB have lower total costs. They aren't always subject to the American bloat in the educational system. And if you add a scholarship in there, it can significantly lower the bill on an American education, especially in this case, as is not uncommon with European schools, this is a three-year program. So it's you know already a quarter of the costs cut out even before you talk about the yearly tuition. That said, as Nick mentioned, you got to make sure that the loans you're hoping to use, if you're using loans, you know, or whether it's the special tax-deductible education account that you've put your money into, you got to make sure you're allowed to use that at a non-U.S. institution. This is normally doable, but it's just something that you need to address and and figure out of what is possible and, you know, what scholarships you were expecting maybe from the U.S. Are those applicable, et cetera? Um, Similarly, it's worth investigating how each European degree does or doesn't transfer to U.S. institutions if you were to consider grad school. In general, a BA on's like this should transfer well, but there's a process you have to go through to get it recognized, and especially since this is a conservatory style arts degree, it may depend on the grad school you're looking at, what they'll accept or not. You know, this is not completely dissimilar to getting a BFA or a BM in the U.S., though for the most part, uh, you know, I'm actually surprised how well they transfer to most grad schools, right? Pending that you you might have to take an additional course for some specific grad schools, like a if it's a medical school, you'll need multiple additional courses. But, you know, in general, that, that grad schools will accept a BFA or accept a BM. It, law schools, et cetera, most schools, you, you can transfer that. That should still be true with a BA ONS, but it's just worth looking at different European schools. Depending on the path you might want to take it may be um, an additional step or something else that you've you've, another hoop you got to jump through and the last potential pro con double sided coin is what we already mentioned in the interview, which is where you'll work afterward. We had Ashley Reyes on the pod, an MTCA alum who went to Lambda and is having a wonderful career in both TV, film, theater, the whole thing. You know, she's currently starring as the female lead of Walker, Texas Ranger, and she's in How I Met Your Father on Hulu. It's awesome, right? So it's absolutely possible to go to school and then work in the US, but it can be tougher and maybe a more circuitous path As opposed to that more traditional US University into a showcase into an agent into a large alumni network situation that especially many of the most competitive US universities can offer you. I've said it before and I firmly believe that the name value differentiation of different schools is generally overhyped meaning people put too much importance on the difference between what they perceive as the ninth best school versus the 15th best school in terms of some overarching you know list that they think exists out there. But that said. The reason many people get excited about some of those big name schools is that of course there is some value to having that strong reputation and alumni network to help you get your foot in the door in this crazy industry. I certainly have had doors open for me because of the name on my degree and alumni connections and I'm very grateful for it. Now, I would never let that supersede the importance of what is the best fit for me and where am I gonna learn the best? I think that is the most important thing, but that's not to say that there isn't any name value or any importance to you know the connections that you can make in school that's part of the reason people go to school is to meet people who will become their collaborators and all the things you hear us talk about in the artist episodes. Speaking of gratitude Even post-Thanksgiving, I am grateful for all of you, our loyal listeners, especially those of you who gave us ratings and reviews wherever you listen. There's still time to do so if you have not done so. Um, You can also hit us with fun questions, suggestions, comments, any other fun stuff. You want to uh, get into our mailbag episode by hitting us at mailbag at mappingthecollegeedition.com. We're going to do that holiday mailbag episode, and we want your participation. Um, You can also follow us on the socials. I'm at charmer7. We're at mtcollegeeditions, etc. If you're interested in working with MTCA or hearing more about that junior workshop, head on over to mtca.nyc. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, never turn down an invite to visit a Spanish beach. We'll see you next week.
1: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stelfland. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty LuPone. This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the
2: Broadway Podcast Network.